Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back, everyone, to the Flow Track Podcast. I'm Kevin Sully, happy to be joined by Gordon Mack. On today's show, we're going to dive into the NCAA Cross Country Championships that are coming up this Saturday. Also talk about some sprinting news involving Elaine Thompson. Hurrah! And we'll talk about a reallocated medal from 2012, almost 10 years ago. Now, the email address, flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com, as I mentioned. And you should subscribe to the show if you haven't yet on our YouTube page, Flowtrack Podcast YouTube page. That is Gordon. Good morning. How are you? Are you ready for championship week? Go Birds. Go Birds. They won a football game, finally. It's been great. Uh, that's all I got to say about that. Um, back to uh, what my job is, which is talking about running. Uh, weekend was great, you know, getting excited for NCAAs on Saturday. We had a good regional weekend. Um, the Colos calculator correctly predicted the 31 teams on both the men's and women's side. So now that we have our fields ready to go, we're what now, like five days away, six days away. So mm-hmm. exciting. Yeah. So we're going to talk individual favorites and you made some odds, which are kind of fun. I looked at it on the rundown. I said, wait a minute. Gordon have a line into someone at the MGM Grand or something? What what happened here? And then I realized you made them. But I looked at them and I think I think they're pretty good. But I want to start first on the team side of things. You released late last night, probably somewhere between three and four a.m. If anybody knows the history of Gordon and cross country rankings, uh, you release your final rankings, men's and women's. The headline here on the men's side, you have Oklahoma State jumping all the way up from two to one. Uh, on the, on the back of their regional performance. So the, the elite frog NAU, who got beat by BYU at the Mountain Region. Then you have Notre Dame three, BYU four, Iowa State five, and Arkansas dropped them down to sixth. What happened here, Gordon? Why, why the last minute shuffle? Well, first of all, winning and losing at the regional level means absolutely nothing. Most of the teams in the Mountain Region were kind of just going together. So... I don't think the BYU beating NAU really means anything. It wouldn't mean anything if it was the other way around either. Same thing between Oklahoma State and Iowa State. Doesn't matter how they would finish. I would, mm-hmm. you know, Arkansas and Texas. Texas beat Arkansas, but Arkansas is a better team than Texas. So, and then you look at like spreads of athletes and you look at Notre Dame, like they had like an entire pack all like within six seconds mm-hmm. of each other. Yeah, but they were running 30 minutes. Like, what what you have to realize is most of the top teams recognize, hey, guys, we just have to go through the formality. No one's trying to win. No one's trying to show their cards. So tight spreads don't really mean much. Wins and losses don't mean much. But what does mean much to me is now that all the data points are in and we're able to look back from – early season to mid-season to post-season to regional season. 
three teams have really kind of surfaced to the top as title contenders. And those three teams, Oklahoma State, Northern Arizona, and Notre Dame. And then when it comes down to like breaking down those three in a tier, you know, your brain wants to tell you it's Northern Arizona. They're the defending champions. They've won four out of five. Like, mm-hmm. it's no-brainer. They're a title contender, four out of five. They're, they're the favorites. But you look at what Oklahoma State is doing, is doing, and they're doing it quietly. They're the only team at the national meet that did not compete at either pre-nets or nuttycomb. The other 30 teams all competed at pre-nets and nuttycomb except for Oklahoma State did not run that weekend. Oklahoma State has raced Northern Arizona at the Cowboy Jamboree, albeit in September. So you get a little bit of data from there. Oklahoma State has raced Iowa State back-to-back weekends or at Big 12s and at Mountain Regional. And Iowa State is a winners of Nuttycomb, and you kind of can look at the analysis there. Mm -hmm. And basically what I get from breaking all this down is between Northern Arizona, Notre Dame, and Oklahoma State, they're basically a wash through three. Now, not to say Northern Arizona – well, Northern Arizona clearly has a big lead through three, but yeah, it's not that big. It is, it is a lead. But when you look at the four and five and you compare Northern Arizona's four to Oklahoma State's four to Notre Dame's four, and we compare Oklahoma State's five to Northern Arizona's five – and Notre Dame's five, Oklahoma State, if you were to rank those six athletes, you know, the three fours and the three fives, I believe Oklahoma State goes one-two in that six-man race. And if I'm looking at that, that means they're going to win. Now, this is just a ranking. Obviously, chaos can happen. Mm -hmm. Northern Arizona can win. Notre Dame can win. But based off of the numbers, based off of the regular season performance, Oklahoma State is the favorites. And doesn't mean they're going to win. I think one of those three teams are going to win. But, yeah. hey, I can't deny what Dave Smith has been doing with this Oklahoma State team. And uh, as a result, they are the, the final ranked number one team going into the championship meet. So, congrats. Now they have a lot to live up to because we're probably the only ones who are going to rank them number one. Uh, I'm sure the coaches aren't going to do it because they're not noticing it, but um, Oklahoma State is the best team on paper right now, and uh, no one knows about it. Everyone's going to be talking about NAU-BYU because BYU beat NAU at the Mountain Regional, but no, BYU is not even a conversation. Everyone's talking about Notre Dame, Northern Arizona because of them going 1-2 last year. No. Sure, they're in the conversation, but Oklahoma State is the favorites going in. Doesn't mean they're going to win, but mm-hmm. based off the regular season, based on what I've seen, they're number one. How confident are you in Rodriguez to be a top 10 guy? Oh, I'm confident. He finished 16th in a regional that doesn't matter. It's fine. He'll be a gamer. He, he goes toe-to-toe with... Wesley kipped to every time. I think at this moment he's kind of like, all right, do I? Who cares if I? I don't need to challenge Wesley kipped to at a mountain regional. I just need to go with my teammates. Yeah. He's gonna be fine. It would be. It, he's a gamer. He's gonna show up. I don't think he's gonna win by any means, but I think he can at least finish somewhere between fifth and fifteenth. And if he does that, that's I think enough because. The success Oklahoma State isn't Isaiah Rodriguez getting third. It's Isaiah getting top 15, and then their two, three, putting their number two guy finishing 25th, their number yeah. three guy finishing 35th, four guy finishing 40th, and their five guy finishing like 45th. And basically mm-hmm. having such a big pack in the top 40 with the high scoring, probably eventual winner, that will be enough. Mm hmm. I like the composition of Oklahoma State, as we mentioned earlier in the season. You got experience, you got younger guys, but the younger guys had the 2020 season to kind of use as a dress rehearsal for where we're at. I mean, they hosted the championships um, in back in March, but 
they have that good that good mixture and Rodriguez has been on the scene for a while now. I guess the only flaw I see in what you're saying, and I get that back half is you're saying stronger for Oklahoma State, but in that two, three range there, the reason why I think people are gravitating towards Notre Dame, BYU, um, NAU, is they've seen that second, third person thrive more. Like they're comfortable with saying, oh, Klinger, top 10, he can do it. Oh, you know, uh, Nur and Bosley, they're, they're, they're household names in the cross country world. They can do it. And I just think that they're not as familiar as how good Oklahoma State is two through five. And they are very good. Someone, you know, like Smeaton, for example, right? He's been a stud on the track um, in, in the steeplechase. But, but that's probably part of it too. Um, Notre Dame, right? All the, the, what the, their five did last year, last year, I would say last year, last championships. I think that's part of the reason why people are underselling Oklahoma State. They know Rodriguez and they're like, oh, I can hang my hat on Rodriguez. But that next group is really solid. And they've been, if you look at their whole season, they've been solid the whole way through. And it's been the similar, right? It's Mayer. It's Shoppy, it's Shitsama, um, it's Smeaton, like I mentioned. It does. It, it feels like they're all healthy and they're all together at the right time. Yeah, and don't forget Shea Foster, who the transfer from yeah, southeastern right. Louisiana, thirteen thirty guy. I think he finished in the forties at the championship last year. They just they have they they're not they're not they don't there's not a cliff after five. The cliff is after probably six, which is a good. That means they have that extra body to kind of interchange with someone who might have a bad day yeah and i think you said they don't have everyone knows who isai is but people have yet to really know who alex mayer is smeaton yeah. is a guy but he's a steepler so it's not as sexy as someone like uh running in the fast 5k they just don't have mm. sh like shitsma and foster sh shoppy they're, they're all just they're just guys without the name NAU, yeah. because of the brand and because they've been winning, you know, you're starting to, you know, what Drew Bosley more, right? People know who Drew Bosley is because, you know, he's been a key member for a championship team. So you learn the name, yeah. but Drew Bosley could be interchangeable with like an Alex Mayer, in my opinion, yeah. right? Yeah. Alex yeah. Mayer was mm -hmm. 17th as a freshman. Yeah. Uh, or no, not as a freshman, as a sophomore, 17th at NCAA Cross in 2021. You know, he was, yeah. he got third at the Big 12 Championship, which is pretty good because Wesley Kipton's in the race. Drew Bosley, you know, he was like 20s, in the 20s his freshman year. You know, he's, mm -hmm. I think he went on to win uh, Big Sky. But everyone knows who Drew Bosley is, but not as many people know who Alex Mayer is. And I think, yeah, they're just quietly, and they didn't run, if Oklahoma State would have ran at Nuttycomb or Prenats, more people would be talking about him. But people just choosing to forget that this team exists. I'm sure uh, Carlson, Notre Dame coach, and Mike Smith, and a U coach, definitely are not going to be surprised about Oklahoma State. They know that they are legit, and they know that's the team they have to keep an eye on. Um, but the fans might be just kind of, oh, okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. To your to your point about last year, though, with Mayer coming in in 17th. There were four NAU guys already in. Now one of them has graduated. Actually, two, two of, of those guys graduated. Are graduated. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, Farrow and Farrow and Grijalva. But that—that's my point. It's we got so wrapped up in NAU versus Notre Dame because there was such a clear cutoff after those two, and NAU still won comfortably. But Notre Dame had a little bit of put a scare into them, I think. But they just felt farther back than they actually were. I think this is really close. I think all those teams that you mentioned can win this meet. I think this is much closer than it's been in years past when we've seen upsets. I'd even throw, I mean, I, it seems like you're down on Arkansas now based on what they did in the regional, even though you said the regional doesn't matter, but I think Arkansas has even got a puncher's chance. Yeah, I'm not down on Arkansas. I just think there's a tier. The first tier is Oklahoma State. They're favorites. My second mm -hmm. tier is Northern Arizona and Notre Dame. They can beat the favorite. And then the third tier, I would put BYU, Iowa State, Arkansas in that third tier. And then uh, Hail, Mary, Hail Mary chance would be the fourth tier, which is Wisconsin, Stanford, Tulsa, Colorado.
It's a Hail Mary. So you've talked about how this is a track meet, basically, because the course is so flat and the temperature is going to be warm. This will not be Madison. This will not be Terre Haute. This will be, won't be Stillwater either because it's going to be incredibly flat. If you go based on track PBs, have you looked at that? Who has the edge there? I did not do that because you can't do that. And I'll tell you why. There are certain athletes who are expected to be good in people's top five who don't have a 5K PB. Maybe they only have a 10K. Maybe they're a miler. Like someone like George Koosh is really hard to kind of analyze because he doesn't really have any good 5K to his name. So you can do that. But I mean, I would argue, I would say... I think I was breaking down Oklahoma State, Notre Dame, and uh, Northern Arizona. I was like, mm-hmm. if the number one, uh, if the number one uh, indicator is last year's championship, then Notre Dame mm-hmm. wins. If the number one yeah. indicator is this regular season, then I think Oklahoma State wins. Mm-hmm. And then if the number one indicator is track pedigree, then I think NAU wins. That makes sense. So no conclusions at all here for Gordon. Yeah, well, the conclusion was Oklahoma State. Anybody, obviously anyone can win. There's never a sure thing in sports, right? I mean, Tampa Bay just lost to the Washington football team. So anything can happen. But I think you just have to be able to correctly kind of let people know, let the world know, what let me where ask you the, the pe- what the pecking order is and the pecking order in my opinion is Oklahoma State, Northern Arizona, Notre Dame, and then the rest. Okay, let's go back two years to Terre Haute when NAU was a big favorite. How many teams could you fit in that gap that we thought existed between NAU and BYU? Because that those were the two, those are the two. But there was a big we thought there was a sizable gulf there, and they ended up losing. How many teams fit in that same group now, do you think? How many teams would be smaller underdogs than BYU was in 2019? Got to be at I'm least four. Yeah. So, well, yeah, the gap between well, Oklahoma. If you're saying, here, if you're saying BYU was 10 to 1 to win the 2019 NCAA Cross Country Championship, how many teams this year have better than 10 to 1 odds, other than Oklahoma State? Because you were saying Oklahoma State's the. And I'm just using those numbers. Oh, um, as I would, I, so I would say five teams have better right. odds than the BYU team had in 2019. Yeah, that's okay. NAU, Notre Dame, BYU, Iowa State, and Arkansas all have a better shot at winning than BYU did when they actually won. Yeah. So uh, my point is yeah. the number sixth ranked team could win this title, and it would be in many ways a bigger upset than the second ranked team winning in uh or sorry it would not be as big of an upset yeah yeah you know what i mean yeah you know what i mean yeah which is weird which is weird it's just just one of those years where everybody's packed together and a lot of these teams oh if you had one more guy then they'd be able to put it away right if you had one more guy you'd be able if if such and such stayed another year or such and such didn't transfer then it would be a different story but everybody seems to have strengths as you outlined but everybody also has noticeable weaknesses i you put together your projections of all americans too and you have uh byu nau and stanford all having three projected all americans but that doesn't tell the whole story because we know four and five are so important yeah yeah i mean looking back you just have to nau has a huge hill to climb they have to replace luis Gorhalva and blaze farrow two guys who finished in the top 15 Whereas yep. Oklahoma State and Notre Dame, they don't have to replace anyone. They just bring everyone back. Oklahoma State actually added someone. Notre Dame mm-hmm. added a guy in Carmody who didn't run. So Oklahoma yep. State and Notre Dame added – Oklahoma State added the 1330 guy. Notre Dame added the 1340 guy. Northern Arizona lost a 13-teens guy and a sub-28-10K guy. So, like, yeah. Notre Dame has – a much harder hill to win. I mean, that's what's so impressive about Notre Dame that the fact they're still in the conversation despite losing those. Um, but in order for, I have a, in my cross country show tomorrow, 
I'm going to do a whole breakdown of um, how each of these teams will win, like what needs to happen. And basically, I kind of do a creation where it's not about what you do, it's about what other teams do. So the only team that can control their own destiny is Oklahoma State, in my opinion. And then as you go down the pecking order, you need something to go wrong with Oklahoma State for Northern Arizona to win, something to go wrong with both of those teams for Notre, Notre Dame to win, both the top three teams need something to go wrong for BYU to win, and et cetera, et cetera, all the way down to Colorado. So I yeah. kind of break it out. And on the well, and on the flip side of that, you could have a team not even podium that could win because someone's not going to have a good day. Just a lot yeah. of averages tell us that. So you could have a team tumble all the way down to, to six or seven because someone's going to have a, have a good day from that second group. All right, let's jump over to the women. Let's go to the women and your final – women's rankings gordon you have nc state one colorado two new mexico three byu four and minnesota five yeah so the top four have pretty much stayed the top four for the past few rankings even the same order now minnesota women kind of now in my opinion have bumped over alabama over alabama did have a a good showing from jamie reed who uh ran well at the regional, well, not amazing, but formidable, better than a DNF. Uh, but really, this is a four-team race: NC State, Colorado, New Mexico, BYU. With NC State being the team that can control their own destiny, because if NC State does what they're capable of, there's no way Colorado, New Mexico, BYU beat them. And uh, yeah, you could find an an equal. Um, uh, Project not an equal uh timeline. No, what's the word? Uh, I forget a reality. Oh, shit. What's, what's I don't know, man. Usually, if you get if usually if you get, get close, I can take you that final yard. But an equal I'm not, I'm uh, oh, I can't come. Up. Okay. Anyway, simulation. No, it's simulation. Now I'm thinking. I don't know. Simulation. Uh, where you could see a world where NC State wins. You could see a world where Colorado wins. Where New Mexico wins. Yeah. Where BYU wins, and it's not being a whoa! I can't believe they did it. Like it all would be like, yeah, yeah. You're you're the best team, you know. Mm-hmm. So you have all have their flaws. NC State has the least, so that's why they're number one. <laughs> you have BYU, Minnesota, NC State, and New Mexico all projected three Amer- all Americans. New Mexico with Mazadowney, Larkin, and Heckel. NC State, Camille, Tui, and Steelman. Minnesota, Haas, Haas. Kohut Jackson, BYU, Orton, Camp, and Frenthaway. And then you have Colorado getting two with Nichols and Covert and Alabama, Arkansas, Weber State also getting two. That makes sense to me. All that tracks. Again, I think it's going to be real close. This one, though, I would be shocked if someone outside the top four won it. But if BYU coming from number four, defending champion, bring everybody back, that's not surprising if they win a couple months later. Different course entirely, but I actually think when you talk about what courses favor what types of athletes, you'd think this sort of setup would be good for Orton and Camp. Camp 1500 meter NCAA champion and Orton really good on the on the track as well, too. I'm sure someone could trot out well, but NC State's track PBs and this, that, the other. But I, I just think for, at least for those two, this is a... Uh, a, a good setup because we saw last year Orton struggled with the tough course in Stillwater. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the individuals. Uh, I put up a tweet um, last night while I was going through the rankings and I discovered there are only five athletes who are undefeated who plan on competing at NCAA cross country. Connor Mancy's mm-hmm. five and zero. Athanas Kyoko four and zero. Silly McCabe four and zero, Mercy Chilling got three and zero, and then I forgot I added at the end Whitney Orton, who's also two and zero because she didn't run <laughs> at regionals, so she just yeah. won FSU Open and the conference championship. So five women, a uh, three three women, two men, undefeated. Are we gonna have an undefeated athlete uh, come Tallahassee when those five athletes race? Will one or two of them win? Yeah. McCabe's been great and has come out of nowhere. I guess I would say the best pick would be Mance. I would feel the best about Mance. But Wesley Kiptu's in the race. So 
that's going to be, <laughs> I don't feel good about anything. I don't, I don't feel good about, about anything. I, I like Mance from the, from the perspective of he's done it before and he seems to be able to roll with any sort of condition and never have a bad race. So, you know, he's going to be in it. It's just a matter of, is he going to be able to, uh, close when the time comes? And this is a different type of race than before. Wild Shet's going to be really good on his home course tier. We expect to be good. We talked about his Rodriguez before Nico Young, Charles Hicks has been running really well. Kyoko, you mentioned undefeated. It's, it's going to be tough. But I, I think of that group, I would go Mance. I'd like to add, look at these records, 5-0, 4-0, 4-0, 3-0. So let's yeah. assume they all, they're all going to run one more time. So Marcy Chilanga, if she wins, she could go 4-0. Mm -hmm. This, is, this is kind of shows why our sport's kind of weird because we're going to see a football team play 13 games and be 13-0 or 12-1, but we're going to see the best NCAA yeah. cross-country athlete only be 4-0 in the season. And I just think... Yeah. Athletes are capable of racing more than four times in a three-month span, you know. So that just goes to show that a revolutionary kinda, take there from Gordon. <laughs> we're screwing ourselves. We're we're trying to find, pretend it's a season when they're only playing the game four to five times. It's like, come on, yeah. we should be playing seven to twelve times. Let's yeah. go. Let's and make I guess it that make the season longer or whatever, I, you know. And I guess that's why I feel more confident in Manch just because we've seen him several more times this year than, for example, Chalangat. Although I think Chalangat is the favorite. I think you have her. I think you have that women's um, pecking order ranked pretty correct with Chalangat, McCabe, Orton, Nichols, and Forbes. But I'll go Mance. I'll, I'll go Mance there. Uh, do you want to show your other odds too? You Because you went deeper than just the, the top couple here. Yeah, you so we have some betting odds. Vegas style here. This is impressive. Vegas style. This is the men's betting odds. We'll show those first. We got Connor Mance as minus 150. Wesley Kiptu minus 150. And then, uh, so basically they're kind of the together, the favorites together. You can kind of bet on either one. And then Adrian Willishup yeah. plus 100. Cooper Tier plus 150. Nico Young for all the NAU fans out there plus 300. Rodriguez plus 400. Nur plus 400. Charles Hicks. Plus five hundred, Kyoko plus five hundred, and then the field plus seven fifty. And this is all to win. So, what are your what are your thoughts on those odds? Who who'd you put your money on? Um, in, based on these odds, I'd probably throw some money on Kyoko plus five hundred. Yeah, that's pretty good. I'm seeing who I could get from the field. So is that ten right there that you have listed? I think it is. I have nine. Outside listed. the oh nine. Okay, who's the number ten person? Who can I get? For the field here, uh, you have Jacobs, Bosley, Klinger, Herrera, Amon, Kemboy. I might throw some money there too, but yeah, I go, I go Kyoko. I go Kyoko yeah. on the flyer here. That's a lot of value for him. But look, I, I, I just brought up the fact that I think Mance, Mance is the favorite. You have him co-favorite. I, I won't argue with that. I think that's solid. Nico at plus three hundred is interesting. Yeah. I, I would probably put some money on Nico as well too. Those would be those yeah. are the value picks. I because if you're just comparing Nico to Mance, and I know we don't want to read into the, the Mountain Region results, but he's pretty close to him. And you have Mance at a minus one fifty, meaning you'd have to bet one hundred and fifty to to get a hundred, versus Nico, where you bet a hundred, you get three hundred. These are made up, by the way. These are not real. You can't actually bet on these. These are Gordon's creations, and they're great creations, by the way. So I, I would just say relative to to everybody else, he's he's a bit lower than I would say, and I can I can envision him winning the race. What about you? When you put these together, were you like, hey, I created some value for myself? Well, I think it's going to be Connor Mance or Wesley Kip too. The whole point of having all the other odds is to collect money from the people who think they're going to win to make up for having to I'm pay out win. for all the Mance and Kip two betters. So yeah, I think. <laughs> From betting the Olympics, I learned, yeah, you could kind of chase Valley with a Nico Young or Thanis Kyoko, but at the end of the day, it's going to be Kip to or Mance, so you might as well just bet one of those. So that's my opinion. Are you, uh, are you accusing me of chasing value, Gordon? I am accusing you. I, I, chased, I chased a lot of value during the Olympics and ended up losing $277. But I had to gamble $4,500, so it was not that bad. We have the, the women's uh, – 
odds up here. I know our one of our uh, colleagues, Travis, has to go to a meeting, so we got these odds up there for people to see. But I like these. This is more fun. Um, Mercy Chilanga, yeah. heavy favorite, minus 200. Then McCabe, plus 100. Whitney Orton, plus 150. And then there's a big drop-off. Nichols, Forbes, and Rowe are all plus 400. Camille, O'Neal, Vestry, and Camelli are all plus 500. Caitlin Tui is a plus 750. So you got to put Tui and Nico Young in the odds because you know you're going to just get those kids who yep. want to go in on there. And I think I spelled Tui's name wrong. I called her Touchy. I think there's a typo in the, the – yeah. I apologize about that. And then the field is plus 1,000. Okay. So if you're saying there's a clear top tier – Again, I'll chase value in that top tier, and I would go Orton at plus 150. Which will continue yeah. my streak of picking Whitney Orton to win an NCAA title for about the last three years, I think. And I think that's why I put Whitney Orton at plus 150, because it's going to get people like you to, like, all right, I'm going for it. When really, they should be putting their money on Chilenga. They all go for the Orton, because they think they're getting the reach for that extra 50 bucks. And then in the end, you just lose... Yeah. The same amount of money. <laughs> so risking uh, less though. I'm risking less. You well, you've been on the Mercy Chilangat you built the Mercy Chilangat bandwagon a couple of years ago with with a hammer and nails and just excellent foresight. So I don't expect you to hop off now. Back to back, Jordan. Is that what you're picking? I think so. Yeah. I I mean, I think she has the experience. Um McCabe is a good challenger, but you know she's only a sophomore. She's kind of been running out of her yeah. mind. I think she hasn't raced Chilangat right, so she's beaten everyone here except for Orton and Chilangat. They're the three undefeated. So yeah, you have a, a reason to say McCabe over a Forbes, over a Nichols, over a Rowe, over Camille, et cetera, et cetera. But you just don't mm -hmm. have it for an excuse to say her over Chilangat. So. I think Chilanga wins. I think McCabe probably finishes third. You know, she's probably in it and then, you know, finishes in the top three. So I think those three women four? could all finish in the top three. Fourth is anybody. I mean, I think fourth place is, could be anyone who I have ranked fourth through 25th. <laughs> like, I think anyone could finish in the fourth place. Position. I'm, I'm wondering about Grace Forbes. She's only lost once, and it was to Taryn O'Neill. I wonder – this is what I think about, too. Because the course is so fast, I'm assuming everybody's going to get after it early on. But what if we – what if someone does slip away early on? We get, for example, like a Kip 2 from last year. Although that was that was more predictable. Let's go back to you. Peter Sufer, remember? Vatek? Yeah. Ran out there and led for a little bit. Women's side, we've seen that before. Usually, because it's shorter distance, they close it down quicker. But I wonder if someone's just going to really, really go for it because they're, the weather is going to be good for them because they're from a warmer weather spot. And the course is not intimidating them at all because it's so fast. And we're going we're gonna to get somebody who just guns it and goes wire to wire. And I'm trying to think of the the racing style of these women and the men that you listed, who would be the most likely to do that? I guess on the men's side, it would be someone like Kyoko to just drop a crazy top or awfully Wesley Kip too, but he's more of a known commodity. Someone who's just going to like put out some sick, like first couple K splits. Let me uh, look at Chilenga at SEC. So Chilenga at SEC one by nine seconds over Joyce Camelli. Mm -hmm. Camelli has, you know, she's won the NCA indoor 5K, I believe, right? Yeah, she won five. And then she was runner up in the steeple outdoor. Yeah. Maybe it's a Camelli. Maybe Camelli pushes Chilinga. But I mm -hmm. don't, I think the, a lot of these women are on teams. I think they're not going to, they're going to be not, they're going to be thinking finish top five, finish top five, finish top five, right? Yeah. I, I think Orton is not thinking about winning. I think she's thinking about finishing top five. 
I think Nichols isn't thinking think about it, winning. I think she's thinking about finishing top five. Same thing with Taylor Rowe, Camille, O'Neal, Vestry. Like, so I would I would argue Camille, uh, Joyce Camille, and Chalene Ch- 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 is on our team, but she's good enough to win, so she's finished thinking about winning. Yeah, I don't think anyone's going to push I just it. Think, it's only a 6K. Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. I think they're going to push it. I think the men maybe not because the longer distance and they were doing 8Ks early in the year. Maybe there's a little more respect for it. I think the women are going to go out there, and I don't think they're going to be intimidated by the course at all. I mean, look at the last couple championships. Oklahoma State, Dave Smith gave that press conference ahead of the meet and basically is like, this is the hardest course you'll ever run on. This is like hell on earth. This is so intimidating. Not that they didn't know how hard the course was initially, but it just goes to show you how hard it was. year before that, what we're in Terre Haute, right? Terrible weather, no incentive to really go out that hard. And that course is can be tricky. And then the year before that, it's Madison when it's snowing. And that course has a couple hills on it. I just think they're standing at the starting line and they're they're thinking, this is perfect conditions for me. I have nothing that's making me hold hold it back. And you're right, maybe, maybe that's gonna be advantageous for someone who's not on a team because they're just going to take a flyer on it or their team isn't in the in the podium hunt and they'll just go for it from the gun. But Orton is someone who naturally likes to push anyway. It's their last race. I just don't it's not going to be like Stillwater where you see people f- literally falling down like it's the zombie apocalypse in the last kilometer. Like they're going to people are going to be able to hold it together cuz the course just isn't that hard. Yeah, I I just I'm kind of like, I just think it's going to be the opposite. I think the women, I don't think anyone's going to push it. I think the women through through 3K, through three and a half, through 4K, there'll still be 25 people in the front pack through 4K. And then in that final 2K is when it'll start separating to 10 to 5 to 1. Men's side, I think the Kyoko, Kitsu, Mance, they're going to go. And it's going to be balls to the wall. I think. I think Wild. I think, I think Wild Shot's going to be up there too. At home, and Wild Shot, yeah. Wild Shot will be up there. And I think Tier is going to be like trying to be like, all right, sit and kick, sit and kick. And then there's going to be a point when Tier's like, dang man, like this 10k stuff, eh? <laughs> I'm more of a 5k <laughs> miler, man. But like, I, I'm sure Tier is going to be thinking, just try to conserve, 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 and then save it for the end, and maybe. Tier kind of, yeah. Tier's gonna be hard. praying that they don't go out hard because if they don't go out hard, Tier's winning it. Uh, but yeah, I think I agree. Kip Two and Kyoko are gonna make it hard, so therefore Tier won't win. So. Every, it's a cross country race, so it, it's hard. Yeah. It could be downhill the entire way. It could be flat. It doesn't matter. It's gonna be hard. Six k or ten k. It's gonna be difficult. I, all I'm saying is, there's less of an i when you're at the starting line. There's less of an idea of man, I got to battle my competition and the elements and the course and more of a focus on just you're just beating the people next to you and less of a, hey, this is going to be tough. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get over that hill or I don't know if my legs are going to warm up or how deep is that mud going to be at the 1K mark? All those things have gone out the window and it's just a pure, as close to track as we can get. You've been saying it all year. It's track me, it's track me, it's track me. Well, what is track me? create a controlled environment and when the weather is good it's there's even fewer variables that you have to think about and and people are going to take chances in that in that setup is yeah, there anything right else you want to touch on with cross forecast is 58 percent humidity 69 degrees is the high for saturday yeah in tallahassee partly cloudy so what does that tell you it's just another, not ideal in terms of, it could be chillier to go faster, but these people aren't going to be, they're not going to be intimidated by weather like that. That's fine. They've all run in weather like that. There's I mean, the people that'll say it's argue, not maybe true cross country weather. You could argue maybe this might, here's a question. Does it being hot, is that going to advantage the teams that train in hotter weather leading up to this race and disadvantage the teams that have been training in the Midwest, Northeast, where it's cold. Like, 
will the will Texas run better than Princeton because Texas was mm. able to train in more heat than Princeton when it got colder earlier on in New Jersey. Like it I look depends, at Texas and Princeton as yeah. kind of the same. You know. Yeah. Yeah, it, it depends if it actually gets hot, though, or does it just stay pleasant? Because if it just stays pleasant, I think everybody's fine running in pleasant weather. What you said is interesting, though, because we've always talked about the opposite being true. When it's freezing cold, everyone looks at, well, how'd the schools from California do? How'd the schools from the Sun Belt do? Oh, they, they struggled yeah. a bit. Must have been because of the, the cold weather. We have rarely had a situation where, man, how do these, how do these cold weather teams deal with hot cross country? Because hot cross country does not exist in November in the NCAA because they always usually put it in spots where it's freezing cold. I remember talking to Lance Harder a couple of years ago when the sites got announced, or maybe the sites hadn't even been announced, but it was after uh, maybe Madison where it was snowing. And he thought, well, it's not a bad thing to rotate it. Like, you don't need to be miserable and run cross country. The fans going out there would probably like it if the weather was nice. So I think this is going to be welcome for a lot of teams and coaches and programs out there to have it in conditions that are that are nice these conditions remind me of footlocker right where it's in san diego or back before it was in san diego it was in florida and you get these pictures of these brilliantly sunny days and everyone in t-shirts and flip-flops watching the race uh, run on a golf course or or in a park this is not this is not going to be Madison a couple of years ago. And I'm ex- I think that's kind of interesting. I mean, we're going to get people complain about it and discount it, but people complain and discount about everything. When the weather's too bad, people say, "Well, it's that didn't even that wasn't even a real race." And even when the weather is bad and it's tough, people say, "Well, in Europe they jump over hay bales that are 20 feet tall and get chased by sheep, and we don't do that in America." They just come up with numerous ways to Say that this is not tough enough. So whatever. We all know what the course is. We've known what the course is going to be for several months. People have the opportunity to prepare themselves, even race on the course itself. And now we get to see it. But I do think it is going to be a factor as the course is every single year. This this year more so because it's not Terre Haute, you had a beat on. Madison, you had a beat on. Louisville, a couple of years, you had a beat on it. This one, not as much. So before we get into the final news items from the from the week let's kind of plan out what we're doing for cross-country coverage so when are we doing our xc draft are we doing our xc draft on the wednesday podcast or the or the friday podcast friday so wednesday 9 a.m friday 9 a.m and we'll do the draft should we get someone else to come do we need three people for that we might need we might need make it better we could if we want you know have our producer Colt draft with us and oh if he beats us it's very embarrassing so basically have the non cross-country guy try to beat us by just picking base off of that name looks good that person sounds okay Colt Colt turn your mic on for a sec Colt on just tell the listeners real quick on a scale of uh, zero to ten how much do you know about NCAA cross-country well I ran cross-country in eighth grade um, oh, so that's that. the extent of my experience. I was not very good. Um, it was training for football, um, and I did not really care about it. <laughs> that's it. That's all I know. So, I, so zero could be a winner. Zero in terms of the. Okay, I you think zero is fair. I didn't know he yeah, ran. Zero is fair. Okay. All right. I think that's a good idea. We'll give him a link to your rankings, Gordon, and he can go off that. Yeah. And he can be the the third person selecting. He can be the control group, basically. And now that exactly. I think about it, this is going to be really embarrassing. We're setting ourselves up for a humiliating defeat. He's definitely going to be. Uh, do, you want to talk yeah. about, do you want to talk about Saturday, Gordon? What we're doing during the race? Yeah, and then Saturday, we're going to go live at 9 a.m. Uh, for 9 a.m. Central. So actually, same time as a podcast time. 9 a.m. Central. Races start at 9.20 Central. And uh, we'll be we'll do like a mini, sh- another pre-show for the first 20 minutes, get excited. And then we will watch the races live with you, react in real time. Um, maybe find ways to get the coaches to call in uh, the winning coaches like we did last year, which was pretty fun. We had Dilji Taylor and Mike Smith call in after winning. See if we can do the same thing here. Um, in order to do that, you have to like prepare the coaches. Say, hey, call into our show. So you have to like select, all right, here are the coaches we want to send the link to. to like, hey, if you win, click this link. Yeah. So 
that's gonna be the plan. It's tough. It's tough to figure out. We got we were fortunate last year and it was fun. So what time are we starting again? On Nine Saturday? a.m. Nine a.m. Nine a.m. Central. Central. You can watch live on YouTube. You can do second screen thing. We'll not be streaming the race, but we'll be doing the projections throughout. Hopefully, we'll have a guest. Hopefully, we have a non-Colt guest. I mean, Colt will be here, but he won't be the featured guest. We'll get someone who ran cross country in ninth grade and eighth grade. Um, all right, two more stories. Uh, Gordon, I want to talk about. First up, Eric Kennard gets his London twenty. 12 gold medal in the high jump a couple of years ago. Uh, Ivan Ukov got banned by the Court of Arbitration of Sport for anti-doping violation, which meant that Kennard was going to be elevated, but paperwork and all that other stuff, complicated things. And it, Kennard had to wait until just recently before he was confirmed as the gold medalist. Just nine years ago. It's crazy. Um, so that that year, there was a three-way tie for bronze with Derek Druin, Robbie Grabars, and Mutaz Esabarshim. They'll now move up to silver. So there'll be a new gold medalist, three new silver medalists, and no bronze medals. So I don't. They'll, I guess they'll give those bronze medals back and they'll go nowhere. But headline here, Kennard will, will get a gold medal. And these things are always tricky because you find out about the person getting busted and you have to go back and look at the dates that it was impacted, but then it takes time. It's not as if, oh, so-and-so was suspended or is going to have their medal stripped and boom, automatically the next person gets it. Usually there's a process that has to play out. And um, I guess he already would have had to wait seven years to get the gold medal. So now he's at nine years, but he will get the, get the gold for the 2012 high jump. You know what they need to do? They need to have in some type of athlete contract at any world championship or Olympic games. So all the athletes have to sign it. In order to be eligible to receive an Olympic medal, you have to sign this piece of paper. And what this piece of paper says, in the event that you lose your you get stripped of your medal due to a doping violation, you are required to hand deliver the medal to the next athlete who, who is being upgraded. If you choose not to hand deliver this medal, you'll be fined a million dollars. I think that'll be good because it's like, I want, you want to see, you, I want the person have to be like shamed and be like, here you go. Here's my medal. I am a, like, and just look them in the eye. Like these athletes should be forced to look these people in the eye, not be able to hide behind nine years of like, oh yeah, we forgot about it. And then you get the medal in a FedEx package and everything's okay. Yeah. And the athlete who tested positive can just go home and not really have to deal with like the guilt. No, they should be forced to pay their own way, fly, drive, take a train to wherever that person lives mm -hmm. on their accord, show up at their doorstep with the medal and look at them in the eye. You don't have to say anything to them. You can be a coward and just give it to them and run away. But you have to be forced to kind of look at your what you did in person. You have to look at the person you you screwed over in the eye. You have to be a man and a woman about it. You got to look at them in the eye and be like, "Here you go. Yes, I am." You know that that's a true way of saying you're also sorry, right? You're getting in a car, you're going, yeah. and you're maybe you talk about it. Maybe this will build bridges between countries and. And athletes and be able maybe canard could be able to like have a beer with this guy and be like yeah man i was just caught up in it and i felt like i needed to do it and i feel so bad about it but you know you, you're the rightful owner of this gold medal and i'm glad i'll be able to finally give you what you rightfully deserve i just think it we should like force banned athletes to hand deliver the medals to the upgraded athletes so kind of the opposite vibe of a publisher's clearinghouse sweepstake winner. You show up at their door and they have the balloons and the giant check. This, you give them something and they're going to want it, but the person giving it is doing it out of uh, shame and, and disrepute as opposed to someone being like, hey, you won. But you, you've, you, have a, you have a knack of turning all these little twists and turns and track and field into potential reality shows here. Yeah, you got to vlog it too. You gotta yeah. you have to vlog it so we all can watch the exchange go down. 
So what's up, guys? Um, I'm really embarrassed to say this, but uh, I'm outside who used to be the silver medalist house. Uh, I had to go to some really far-flung place out in Ohio. Uh, I'm about to give them the uh, my gold medal because I got popped for doping. Uh, let you know how it goes. Make sure you subscribe down below uh, for more videos of me handing back my medals because I cheated for a very long time and I got to turn a lot of these in. Does anybody know how to get to Sweden? Hit me up. <laughs> That'd be great. Be great, you know. Yeah. And I'll also there'll be a there'll be a thing is if the athlete doesn't want to look at this person in the face, they're allowed to um, reject the invite. But they're only allowed to okay. reject the invite once the person shows up at the house. So you have to still make them make the trip and drop the medal off in the mailbox or whatever, and then. But you don't tell them. You tell them like at the very last moment. No, I'm not going to look at you in the face, and you have to put it in the mailbox. You know? That'd be a good. That'd be a good story. I wonder if this has been written before. Uh, maybe my my friend, our friend Nick Zaccardi from NBC, should get on this. I saw he's back from paternity leave. I want the story of how they get the medal back and how the medal gets to the rightful owner, because that's got to be a weird setup. I know. Was it Adam Nelson who got his medal in the airport? next to like a jack-in-the-box or something there was some yeah, story about was... how he got it from but like how do they get it from the person that's what i want to know that's the other half of the story that needs to be told it would be cool if like there is just an athlete out there who gets the medal stripped who just feels the they need to it. do it to no no just feels the need to get on a plane and hand deliver it they're just like so mm -hmm. overwhelmed with the guilt they're like I've been keeping this secret for four, five, 12 years. I need to get it off my chest. That'll be a great story. And then they hug it out. I like that. And then they become best friends. And then they become the godfathers to each other's kids. It'll be perfect. <laughs> All right. And it'll be like, let me tell you a story. My great grandfather, he, my great grandfather's yeah. godfather, like, had like this crazy story where he defeated them in the Olympics and then. 12 years later, they became best gotta, friends and they, you know. You know what they call the movie? What? The Godfather. <laughs> I thought you could do a better no, joke okay. there. Come on. No, <laughs> I, thought you do a better funny. Joke. I thought you were looking for like a pun funny. on like Olympic. Oh. No, no, no. I, I couldn't do any better than that. I was in, when I was in Doha, they had a lot of reallocation ceremonies for previous world championships. Like, Alicia Montano got her medal upgraded. I want to say Brenda Martinez. They were putting basically all new podiums up there and playing the national anthems for all the countries. And I get the idea, but it just seemed as if people were still obviously as mad or even madder about it because it just brought like more attention to it. And I think World Athletics was thinking, hey, this, see, we're going to correct our mistakes and we're going to own it publicly, which is cool. But then the people come up and get their medal and then they're so rightfully pissed of, hey, why did it take so long to figure this out? And there's still this issue or that issue. I think on paper, they thought it would be much more joyous. But then uh, it's just a reminder of, oh, this moment got robbed from me before. And now you're, we're doing it because they would do it in the morning session or the like no one was there. I mean, there was no one was there the whole meet because it was the 2019 World Championships, but there was really no one there like when they were doing these things it wasn't as if they were doing it right before the, the 100 meter final when there was the most possible attention would anyway, uh um people are upset about that would you be upset if like imagine that if you are if you get a upgrade in metal due to doping sanction you're also giving a yeah. prize award of like a million dollars do you think the blow of having their moment taken away from them will be lessened by having a sure uh automatic sure um yeah payday get some payday, get some yeah. back pay because you definitely yeah you definitely lost out on on money and that's a real consideration it's a professional sport i just don't know the best way to handle that stuff because you're almost treating it when you have that medal ceremony you're treating it like oh this was a medal that was awarded in 2019 oh no wait it was 2013 we're just redoing it so we're all we're all good now right and i think it, it brings up a lot of bad memories then again it's impossible to know who's cheating that second and first and foremost it's not the i don't think it's the governing body's fault 
it's the, the individual athletes fault and those then if the national federations are involved in the doping it's their it's their fault i i get that world athletics is trying to fix it it just i remember it happening and it was just a very it was a strange feeling because it wasn't happy it wasn't sad it was something in between those two emotions for all for all the athletes and i think Semenya got upgraded too, if I'm remembering this correctly, while also being banned from competing in the event because of she's DSD. <laughs> if I'm remembering this this setup correctly, it's all like, but I don't think she, I don't think she got I don't think she went there to get the, the medal. If I'm remembering it right, but oh, anyway, uh, one more story. Uh, let's see. Oh, uh, Elaine Thompson, hurrah! We've been following this story about the potential coaching slash sponsor change, Gordon. It appears that she's still with Nike, uh, according to her Instagram, still lists Nike in her bio, but she gave another interview last Wednesday, but I just saw it. She talked about how she had uh, outgrown the MVP track club. So if there was any doubt that she has left Stephen Francis's group, uh, there you have it. So she'll be training with her husband and also Bert Cameron. What do you think a lot of her through this whole saga this whole back and forth there was a lot of just talking around what it was what do you think outgrown means i mean she ran 1054 number two all time she was wildly successful i always thought that meant hey it's going to come with some sort of sponsorship change because that's what was heavily implied but if it's not having to do with sponsorship what what do you think outgrown means i mean shelly ann's not there anymore yeah i mean sometimes like athletes just outgrow the culture of the team that they're on you know sometimes you like you know you can in like distance running there's times when the, the culture is a lot more young in their 20s type where still it's like college 2.0 but then you're like oh i'm married oh i have a kid like oh i i'm not i don't want my life to just revolve around my my running circle i want other things in life so I kind of want to take yeah. a step away and not just spend eight days every day and night in Portland. You know, maybe I want to live in a different location with a closer to other family members or whatever. Right. So you just kind of outgrow the world. At, when you're 23, it seems like awesome. This is life as a runner. But then when you're 28, you're like, you kind of want to do other stuff, but you're still talented. You still want to run, but you don't want to breathe it like every day with a bunch of other 22 year olds. So, uh, so there could be like a cultural change. Maybe she's like, kind of wants to do her own thing because she's done it enough. She's kind of like, I've graduated. I've graduated from this, this world. And now I want to go into a different stage of my career. You know, Shelly Ann Frazier did it, you know, and maybe this is Elaine Thompson. Huh? I mean, it's always fun to think it's some like nefarious thing or like she hates the coach or she got in a mm -hmm. fight with a, a training partner or whatever. But like a lot of times it's not that. A lot of times it's like, hey, I just kind of want to move on. Now, just grab it. because, you know, she first said it was rumors, right? And she didn't want to admit that this was happening. Yeah. And also because yeah. you, we kind of aren't given an obvious reasoning. Like even when they interviewed um, the coach, he didn't really – Stephen Francis didn't really yeah. give that much of a reason. So they had an opportunity to be like, oh, she's just older. She wants to do a different thing. It's I love her to death. I'm, it was great to coach her. I can't wish nothing but the best for her next few years on the track. But you didn't really get that. Yeah. So you kind of want to think, oh, right, why aren't they being more front, up front? But maybe they're thinking, hey, this is none of your business. I want to do this now. Why is it a big deal? You know, yeah. Well, it's that too. The upshot of it is you have Stephen Francis, one of the best sprint coaches in the world. He still has a group, but he had Shelly Ann. She left. And then now you have Elaine leaving. So he doesn't have – he had two of the three best sprinters of all time at one point under his tutelage, and now he doesn't have have any of them. So it's weird how that that worked out, and that leaves room, Gordon. For a new high-profile sprinter, no, <laughs> still a chance. There's still a chance it happens. There's still a chance. He didn't say no. 
That's true. Say yes, but he didn't Did say not no. say no. Everybody's being coy. Everybody's being but coy about this stuff. And I get it. It's a big. It's a big deal in in Jamaica. If this was in the United States, it would probably just get an. Well, people wouldn't be asked as much, but maybe they'd be more forthcoming because it wouldn't kick off a firestorm. But I just want people to say what they think and just yeah, I left, and this is this is why because that's why Francis's statement. Like his comments were, he was being coy, you're right. But with some stuff, when he's talking about, you know, oh yeah, Shellyanne left and, you know, her and Elaine weren't going to be in the same group. He was he was more upfront than I'm used to hearing. I just wish we'd get more info quicker. And the sponsorship thing made sense logically because you're not thinking that the person who just ran one of the greatest seasons in track and field history is going to try to change things for 2022. But Cheers. So we'll see. Yeah, I'm excited. I mean, you can look through Shakari Richardson's Twitter and try to find if there's any like hints of like on location in Jamaica type stuff, but I couldn't find anything. <laughs> I think that'd be news. Is that the I think that'd be news. We're still <laughs> we're still in off season mode. I mean, yeah. Shakari's probably not even gonna run until probably April. I bet. I bet she doesn't yeah. do indoor. So like, yeah. She has time to figure figure everything out. Same thing with these Jamaican athletes too. They don't run indoor either. So for a lot of these, like maybe Elaine Thompson Rod does have something, but she doesn't need to worry about it till another four months, right? It's, we think the season is just around the corner because we're gonna have indoor track like December twelfth, December fourth and twelfth. Yeah. But for yeah. these a lot of these international athletes, especially Jamaican athletes, season doesn't start till April. So it's still like the off season has just even not even begun yet in a way. Like they still are in the thick of off season. So you know who's all in on indoor? Who? Me. Going to all the meets. USA champs. Spokane, new facility out in Spokane. Looks beautiful. World champs, Gordon. Let's go to Belgrade. Let's do it up, man. We we're getting tickets Maybe to DQs? Belgrade. You got you got that approved? I'm in. Okay, I'm in. If yeah, you get if yeah. you can make it happen, I'll go. Yeah, I think it I think it'll work. Um Friday, March eleventh through Sunday, March thirteenth. Works out with my my schedule perfectly. Schedule, Never okay. been to Belgrade. When else am I gonna have a chance to go to Belgrade? I think this is it. This is the I year. mean you can go to Belgrade whenever you want. That's the thing. When people say that, when else am I gonna have the chance to go here? You have the chance to go there every day of your life. You just choose not to. Well, no, I have three kids. I actually don't because they'll yeah, be gone you if can I come back. Hire a babysitter. You can you can handle it. Bring your kids over here. I'll take care of them. Okay. Thank you. All would right. You trust, would you trust? that. Would you trust me? Would you trust me with your three children for forty-eight hours? I trust you with my oldest. Okay. I wouldn't. I That's wouldn't trust enough. you with the baby because the yeah, ba baby's tough. Baby's tough for anybody. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I wouldn't. Know what to do. I wouldn't put that on you. If I had, like, if I had to run an errand or something, or I had like an appointment and I had to leave my son with you for six hours, I'd be comfortable with that. My oldest, I'd be fine. Even my daughter, I'd be. I'd be perfect. She's yeah. she's turned four, so it's. Not, but I would not go to Belgrade without <laughs> you know, just on a lark. The reason people say that is because it's a opportunity cost thing. Because then you're like, well, if I'm gonna go to a, on a trip. Why would I ever pick this place? So that's why they say it. It's like an excuse yeah. to go to a place that's the 50th best place uh, for you or the 27th Ooh. place that's most interesting to you. Something like that. Taking that's shots at Belgrade, right man. They, they didn't. No. There's probably well, people from Serbia right now who are like, what the hell? Unsubscribe from this podcast. Let me look at some Belgrade? images. What does is, what is Belgrade look? What is, let, me get, let me get some. Uh, let's see. Belgrade. Oh, okay. All right, it moved up. Moved up moved a bit. Up. Looks lovely. Yeah, yeah. I need to go to hotels.com to read the 10 best things to do in Belgrade and add World Indoor Championships to the list. There we go. All right. Uh, thanks, oh, Cole. Type, thanks, in type in Belgrade Belgrade Nightlife. Click that button. Oh, do I want that's to wild. do that? Okay, Gordon. All right. That's not, <laughs> that's not what we're doing. I'm going to look at Serbia. We go to a basketball game out there. I'll be good. Right. Yeah, yeah. Boban. Get some Boban. Boban is Serbian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see who else. Best Serbian basketball players. Let's see. I'm gonna do. Um. Oh, Jokic, obviously. 
then Boban, Bogdan Bogdanovich, Bialica, Peja, Stojakovic, Darko Militich. Who's who? Oh, po- Poku. Poku is Serbian as well. There we go. Big list. Big list. All right. Thanks to Colt. Thanks to Travis. Uh, remember, Wednesday, 9 a.m., Friday, 9 a.m., Saturday, 9 a.m. That's the schedule this week for your FlowTrack podcast as we get closer to the NCAA cross-country championships. Email the show, flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com. We'll talk to you guys next time.